Hey guys, my name is Akshita. This is Kushi. Welcome to our podcast called Talkspace, where we'll be discussing issues that affect our main target audience, teenagers. Basically, matters that matter. We release an episode every other Sunday on all podcast streaming services. We'd also like to bring to your notice that this is our first milestone, our tenth episode of Talkspace. We hope listeners have enjoyed listening to our podcast so far as much as we have enjoyed creating it. So diving right into this episode, we know that a lot of our target audience are teenagers and they spend most of their days studying, participating in various extracurricular activities and building their profiles as well as trying to manage their social interactions in the midst of all this hustle. As juniors in high school ourselves, we understand the stress, workload and effort this takes. Hence, today we are here to shed some light on one such extracurricular that has gained immense popularity in recent years, the Model United Nations Conference. It is a conference held all over the world and is known to add great highlights to one's university profile or resume. We're going to discuss what an MUN conference is, how it is conducted, why is it considered to be of such importance, whether or not it actually helps students who participate and tips for the same. So a good place to start is to understand what a Model United Nations Conference actually is. Kushi? Model United Nations simulations are popular exercises for those interested in learning more about the United Nations, also known as the UN. The UN is an intergovernmental organization aiming to maintain international peace and security, develop friendly relations among nations, achieve international cooperation, and be a center for harmonizing the actions of nations. In an MUN, students take on the roles of diplomats from different countries representing their nation in discussions on a particular agenda topic in the conference. The style and rigor by which an MUN conference is conducted is also very unique, interactive, and allows students to convey their stance as countries. Akshita, could you please elaborate on the process of how a conference is conducted? Yes, so an MUN conference essentially is conducted in the way of representing a global conference that takes place and students act as representatives of those countries and they debate on specific issues. So the first thing we should bring to notice is that there are separate committees that deal with separate issues, um, world worldly issues. For example, a committee called DISEC deals with nuclear disarmament or a, uh, or a committee of security council deals with issues um, of say peace and let's just say peace harmony among countries. So all these committees cater to different issues and students participate based on their passions or interests on them and the countries they wish to represent. So the first thing that an MUN conference starts with is a roll call. And the roll call is basically a way of understanding that you are representing your country and you are present in the conference. So how a roll call essentially is conducted is the chair or the co-chair will call out your country and you have to say here or present or present and voting. So present and voting means that they, at the end of the conference, when the voting is conducted for the resolution, you will be voting. And otherwise, if you just say present, you're not going to be voting. Usually people who are just observers say present, but people who are participating are encouraged to say present and voting because that means you have a say in the solution. So next what happens is an agenda is set. This is basically uh, if it's the beginning of a conference, it's basically what's going to set the entire debate forward. So if we're talking about, say, nuclear disarmament, uh, an agenda can be set about nuclear disarmament specifically in World War II, for example. So an agenda is set, and usually this is done by one of the delegates, and then opening statements happen. Essentially, an opening statement is a GSL, 
usually which is the general speakers list where a chair calls upon um right well calls upon different countries or representatives to talk about their stance on that agenda that has been set so um delegates participate turn by turn and they talk about the issue a gsl is very short usually um and the delegates set the time for it so delegates have to raise their placard and ask for a gsl and they range from around 60 seconds to 90 seconds or even 2 minutes sometimes depending on the chair's discretion and what the delegate has proposed usually after the gsl uh, mun goes into moderated and unmoderated caucuses a moderated caucus is basically a formal debate session and a formal debate session essentially entails that the chair will call upon delegates who wish to speak for it so you are made to raise your placard for it and then you speak on the issue that has been set so moderated caucuses don't deal with the whole issue but the specific issue that one delegate has raised up to talk about and it's a very formal debate session which means that you have to follow all rules of procedure of an mun and you're supposed to talk in the given time slot and specific to that agenda that has been raised on the other hand an unmoderated caucus is basically an informal debate session in most muns you get to um get up from your chair roam around and talk to other delegates and start forming a resolution moderated caucuses usually take place after one or even two moderated caucuses have taken place so unmoderated caucuses are usually very very informal and friendly and you can um, meet other countries like other representatives and talk to them about what your resolution is and if they want to join your resolution so when one country joins another country it becomes a block and usually a block consists of a multiple number of representatives together of course majority always is preferred because it looks like a lot of countries agree with your statement but one must remember that you have to agree with your statement as a country not you as an individual and usually after unmoderated caucuses there might be another moderated caucus there might be another unmoderated caucus essentially this is up to how the committee is progressing and the chair and lastly there are draft resolutions which basically means your block starts forming resolutions and this is presented to the chair and it's discussed in the entire committee and after all draft resolutions are presented a final resolution is decided on discussed on and then presented and that usually ends it sometimes if the issue is very um intense or something that cannot be solved in one whole mun also it just goes into like a no resolution which means that there isn't probably a very constructive resolution that can be brought on this and usually this happens in like issues of um nuclear proliferation or in peace treaties something that really requires a lot of majority and let's just say agreement and you see the debate is closed off with um a motion for entertainment or something just to like end the thing in a fun manner and then everybody votes on the final resolution and that's usually what ends it um so while this whole mun conference allows students to build a lot of social skills and put forth their thoughts as well there is much more to why students are encouraged to participate in mun's because they are extremely meaningful and they're not just another task on your list or your profile so kushi what do you think yeah so i completely agree with you because not only does mun develop leadership skills but it's an exercise in research teamwork and especially public speaking these skills these are skills that you will need throughout your career and mun gives you a chance to practice them while you're a student which is a great benefit you can leverage your mun experience and network to get into college and find jobs too 
Moreover, I think it's crucial for individuals to be aware of how to come up with solutions that are acceptable to a majority of the representatives also inculcate skills of negotiation, conflict resolution and cooperation. Akshita, what do you think? So definitely I do think that a model UN conference builds a lot of your social skills, also your public speaking skills as Kushi mentioned. And that's not only because you're interacting with other representatives, you're interacting on the public platform, but also gives you a lot of confidence because you've done so much research about your country and you're, you feel confident to speak if you've done enough research. Also, it takes a lot of courage to go up and speak about an issue which you've only known maybe for one month or something like that. So that builds a lot of confidence in you. Also, you get to meet a lot of new people at an educational level. Like apart from just who you would meet maybe at a normal inter-school event or something, you get to meet them at a level where you are discussing very, very intense global issues. So definitely those contacts will really help you in the future, even when it comes to participating in other MUNs, because it might help you scout them out and it might help you later in getting bigger opportunities for the same. And I also think that why students are encouraged to participate in MUNs is not because it looks good on your CV or because it looks good on your resume. I mean, of course it does, but also a more enhanced reason for that is because it, uh, it showcases that you have all those skills and you can like confidently present yourself in a very, very public, large public gathering. For example, you are able to public talk in like a public setting. You're able to be confident. You're able to have good content, good research, and you're able to form resolutions. And they are all things that some of them happen on the spot in a conference. So why it looks good on your resume or why you're encouraged to do it is because it shows that you have all your skills compiled together and you can carry yourself in a setting like that. That makes a lot of sense. And to help elaborate on the same, can you share a few of your personal anecdotes and experiences to help our listeners understand the same? How did you grow after you started participating in MUNs? Definitely. I think I started going to MUNs when I was maybe in like sixth or seventh standard, actually maybe seventh or eighth. Yeah. And they were more of junior MUNs at the time. And then they slowly progressed to well, neutral, normal MUNs. But I think what really helps you in an MUN or like based on my personal experience is that you have to really be prepared. I think for my first MUNs, I did not think it would be as intense as when I went into it because I thought that it would be more like a debate, like a traditional debate. But MUN and debates are not same and they cannot, like it's not an inter interchangeable thing. It's more like debates are like everybody presents their stance and then there's counter argument. You cannot counter argue in an MUN. Everybody just puts their stance forward. And then it's like, that's how it gets carried forward. And only if you want to ask a question, you say, oh, point of information, but you cannot counter argue or rebuttal right there, unless it's like a one-on-one -on -one or something of that sort. So I think definitely from my experience, what I've learned is to be prepared, not only to like be prepared with like your research and everything, but just to be prepared that the conversation can really go anywhere. There are times when I've been in a conference where we're talking about maybe money laundering or something, and it goes on to talking about digital currency and cryptocurrency or like, like anything from that sort. So things can range in that field. So make sure you have a good area of information, I would say. And also from my experience, whenever I've gone to MUNs, it's like sometimes it's very nerve wracking because there's so much going on. And usually in things like unmoderated caucuses, if you're a country which is 
not so important in that particular conference for example there was a time when i was in a dissect committee and i was iceland which was a bit saddening because iceland does not really possess any nuclear weapons for that matter and they are pretty safe they were on a very neutral stance on everything so what you're supposed to do in a situation like that is not just sit around and be like oh i have no role in this conference what you're supposed to do is figure out who your allies are like who are your allies and support them so even if your argument as a country may not be so strong or powerful you can support all your allies and look like a powerful country i mean in terms of iceland whatever their allies were at the time i was like oh definitely i agree with blah 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 country because they say that nuclear disarmament is incorrect and nobody should possess nuclear weapons or whatever you want to say for that matter so definitely know that you don't have to be a powerful country to become a best delegate you know to become a powerful country to like participate you can do that very well even being like any any country for that matter even if you're an observer like for that matter so i think from experience just be prepared and choose a committee that you really do want to participate in or like if you really have any interest in it because sometimes certain committees may look very appealing but there's a lot of research that goes behind it and only do it if you actually have that much time to put into it because once you go to the conference you may be a bit blank then and then it's just like oh you're just sitting around and watching people speak and sometimes if you're a powerful country and that ends up happening it'll not only look bad on you as an individual but also that it, the whole conference relies on those say p5 countries sometimes so make sure you're well prepared in that situation so adding on i think my first mun was in the 5th grade too and it was even though it was more of a basic conference i learned so much and since then i've enhanced my writing skills my debate skills and i'm so much more confident when it comes to public speaking and as you said i've also learned how to reach a common consensus with other people with differing opinions and while it can be daunting when you first start off because it'll seem like everyone around you is so much more experienced overall the outcome is very fruitful and personally it's just been a great experience I agree completely. So now that we've discussed the gist and how MUNs functions and what they entail, let's discuss a few tips for the same. What do you recommend, Kushi? Okay, so I think there's a few things to keep in mind when it comes to participating in an MUN. Number one, I think just come prepared. You would be surprised how many people miss this because to start discussing your point of view, you must actually have one well formed and make sure that before you walk into the room, you understand the topic fully, you know your country's stance on the case very well, and you're prepared with a strong opening statement. Do not just come prepared with papers or speeches written down, but with your delegation's weaknesses, previous issues, economic weaknesses, and questionable actions about the case and prepare rebuttals for the same. other delegates will definitely be prepared so it's your job to be well aware and pre- be prepared as well anticipate attacks from other delegates and come up with answers to refute them receiving criticisms and attacks from your delegation can harm your influence so be ready and be sure to address them and in addition if your rebuttal was not ready in time you may have a weaker chance regaining respect in the committee Number 2 I think the biggest indicator of a valued debate is that the two opponents respect each other undermining the other person is a sign of extreme insecurity and it will be viewed as such by the audience thirdly I think the best debater is the best listener because if you think that the best debater is the one who talks the most I think just think again because you can keep talking but if you don't listen very carefully to what other delegations or your opponent are saying then your speeches will be void and it will be as if you're talking to an empty room 
Number four, I think it's great if you agree and then refute, because this is a very cool trick that comes from listening. Start by agreeing with other delegations with what can be agreed with and then refute it. It will make the power of your refute multiply. Number five, use other delegate speeches against them. The best trick that can come for listening to the other delegate speeches. How can you best apply this? I think try and find the contradictions in the delegates different speeches. Remind them of what their country of and when their country did something against what they're saying or standing up for. Another great tip is to find a universal principle that everyone agrees on. First, you should definitely be aware of your audience and know your audience. Then start by then start your speech by stating a universal principle that everyone in the room will agree with. This small trick will definitely make your speeches and arguments more convincing to the audience. Uh, number seven, I think you should capture the audience's attention. The golden rule, yet one of the biggest mistakes made in MUN conferences, is when a delegate fails to capture the attention of his audience. Here's the ugly truth. To be very honest, if you don't capture and maintain the eyes and ears of other delegates in that room while making your speech, then your speech is clearly not heard. It is the other delegates' responsibility to pay attention to your speeches, but it's also your responsibility to make them know why this speech is important to them and make it get their attention. One of the last tips I have is to use facts, and this is extremely important. The backbone of your speeches should be facts. No one can argue with facts, but however, they can certainly argue with opinions. And facts are commonly ignored, yet a pivotal weapon in debate strengthening. They make you believable and provide credibility and make your speeches virtually indestructible. So make sure your information isn't plagiarized and all your facts are backed up by reliable.org or government and official websites. Just making sure you're prepared with all the information regarding your country's stance is half the battle. Akshita, do you have any tips to add? I think firstly, I completely agree with everything that you said, especially the rule about agreeing and then refuting, because that's a very important tip because not only are you telling your delegates that I'm listening to what you have to say, but this is what I have to add. You're also being very respectful of the entire committee. But in terms of the tips that I have to add, I would say firstly, getting a little more technical is you should understand all the procedures of an NUN because that's what is very important. You should know when you want to ask a question, what do you have to say? When you want to say, use the washroom, what do you have to say? If you're literally, even if you're feeling too cold, you're feeling too hot, you can't hear the delegate, you have to say these things like, um, point of parliamentary inquiry, for example, is to ask about any MUN clarifications that you have. Point of information is for questions. So the same way you're supposed to know what to say when you have some kind of difficulty or you don't know what to do. That's what those points are made for. So make sure you know all the MUN technicalities before you start it, before you start the conference. And usually um, MUN conferences send this guide by email to you or to your school for that matter so you know what to do if you're a first timer. Secondly, I would say a very, very important tip is to conduct a lot of research about your country, not about the topic that you're researching, but about your country in general, the allies of your country, the en like enemies for your country, that for that matter, what good relations have been in the past, how the relations have improved with relation to the topic and even without. Because even if on, on one topic, if both your countries agree on something, that doesn't mean as a country, you both agree or are allies. So make sure you do know that because you can't just side with the country because, oh, they look like a nice delegate to talk to. Like you have to actually know your allies and know um, who to side with. And also conduct research about your country about, say, things like 
basic things like the capital of your country you should know things like that you should know things like oh, like some common states some common cities because those things really come up sometimes when it becomes a little too technical you should also know basic things about your country like where it's properly located geographically what is it close to sometimes it goes into like boundaries and borders which get very technical and you should know those things about your country ideally also research about your committee uh and i mean is like not about your country but about your committee in general because sometimes when you're talking in your um gsls or in your debate speeches or in your moderated caucuses you will tend to dive away from the topic but if you know what your committee is about you can stick to it for example if you talk if you're talking in a talking about peace treaty and security council you know that you have to stick to certain things about peace and world awareness and things like that or in dicec you're supposed to stick with disarmament or in like a you know united nations women committee is supposed to stick to women empowerment for example so make sure you research about your committee as well and what the committee actually entails before you choose a committee before you decide to participate and lastly make sure you have like a nice game plan for your conference and i'm like as kushi mentioned make sure you have rebuttal points make sure you know what you're going to say if something says this for example if you are a country that does have certain negative points that are going to be highlighted by other delegates make sure you cover it up in a very discreet manner and this is very important because if you are a person who has participated in mun a couple of times you will get a little more challenging country maybe like a p5 country or maybe like a country that is under the limelight for something negative then you should be able to cover it up by saying that using like a, maybe the agree and refute point or just being able to cover it up by something good that your country has done or something that your country has achieved so you're hiding that away by saying something else which is a very important skill to know even if you are a country who is relatively neutral on this stance being too neutral is also a problem because then that means that your country is actually not doing anything that's what you're trying to say so make sure you do research about what your country has views about for example if your committee is basically simply a health committee you are talking about safe clean drinking water and you are a country who who's like maybe india who's not very good at that stance of having safe clean drinking water for everyone instead of saying that oh we are working towards it you have to provide more contextual knowledge you have to be like um our government has installed these many drinking water these many purifying plants throughout these years and we are working towards this is this is this that's very important because if you're just saying that oh our country is not there yet people are going to attack you literally instantly make sure you know that and also make sure if you have good points like if you're a positive country say if you're singapore and you're like oh we have extremely clean drinking water make sure you don't just stay there like what are you doing to help other countries with that what are you doing to make your country better so you have to make your country look like the best country in the world if i could say it like that make your country look like it has everything in it but at the same time you don't have to become very pretentious or fake about it either if there is something wrong you can definitely highlight it like for example um iceland may not have had the best blah 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 but we're, we're surely working on it by doing this so if you have a fact backed up by whatever you say it's extremely believable and it has to be true so it will be believable but make sure that you have that so in case someone asks you that oh um is your information reliable what do you mean you're working on it you have proof to show that you are working on it and lastly i would say a tip would be that don't stress out too much if you're asked a question you don't know the answer to 
maybe sometimes um you didn't know something about your country and someone brings it up and then you're put in an awkward position when you don't know what to say and sometimes you don't even have time to research on the spot because usually some committees do not allow that so i think in that situation what you should do is just try to protect your image or your country's image at the moment be like oh we do know that we have been portrayed as this in the past but our image is changing and our country is working towards this just try to cover yourself up and then usually if there's a break or if there is some type of leeway that you have in an unmotivated caucus or something use your research use your internet and conduct that research so you can pose a rebuttal so even the chair knows that you know you do have knowledge about this and that was just like a one moment sort of thing yeah i agree with every single thing you said and you raised a really good point about just being sure about the facts and that'll get you a long way Lastly we always end the episode with a fun question. So Akshita what's the funniest thing that has happened in a motion or an unmoderated caucus for entertainment in an MUN you may have participated in some time back? I love this question but I think before that we should clear out what a motion for entertainment is. So a motion for entertainment is basically happens on the last day of an MUN or usually towards the end of an MUN where the chair and the committee forget rules of procedure for a for a few minutes or some amount of time. and instead of that they start focusing on fun things that the committee can do and sometimes they do this in a very interesting manner like they'll have chits drawn and um some people tell the chit and they have to do that it can be a uh, like an irrelevant dare or it can be just something funny that the delegates want the, want the chair to do for that matter and sometimes it can become very interesting because some delegates talk about other delegates and it's anonymous so it becomes extremely funny and interesting and actually that's one of the most important and fun things of a conference as well because you end on a good note irrespective of how the conference has gone so i think the funniest thing that happened to me in a motion for entertainment is definitely i had participated in an mun uh and it was one of my first mun so i was pretty shy and timid i really didn't know how to react to the whole entertainment thing and i was also relatively young at the time so i was like this is pretty new to me but i remember that someone had put a thing in the chair that we want to see the chair dance and it was to dance with another with another delegate so it was extremely hilarious because the chair is like supposed to have this very you know intimidating image for everyone but the chair was actually pretty hilarious and he was like okay fine i'll do it and it was like to it was like the chair dancing with another delegate who was also a male there was just two males dancing which is pretty funny and then after that someone said we want the chair to dance with the co-chair so then that was pretty funny as well so usually they they kind of highlight the chair to do these things but it was actually extremely funny i that was one of my first events and then i realized that it's actually not that stressful as you think it is what about you kushi at the end of the mun we had this box where people could write anonymously and one person dared the chair to give a delegate a rose So as you said the chair has this intimidating and overwhelming personality and you know they're supposed to be very formal but it was quite funny when that actually happened because people just got a chance to unwind and relax and yeah as you said you just end on a good note always I think that's about it listeners Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you have on this topic Thank you so much to everyone who is listening and stay tuned on the Sunday after next for more